0: Welcome to I Must Discuss, the podcast where I talk about all things pop culture. I am your host, Angela Taylor, and today, 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 I am going to recap, react, and review episode 10 of the Game of Thrones prequel series, House of the Dragon. It was the season finale of season one and a lot of stuff went down and I'm going to cover it all. This recap is full of spoilers. So if you have not yet watched the season one finale, go ahead and do that. Go watch it, come back, and then listen to this recap. Now let's get into it. This episode is titled, The Black Queen. But I think I'm going to call it, it's time to dance because we are at the precipice of the dance of the dragons and I think that better encapsulates what's going on. The episode opens in Dragonstone. The camera pans over the tabletop map of Westeros as Luceres, also goes by Luke, Lucerys puts his hand over Driftmark. And if you remember, because it is hard to keep all these kids straight, Lucerys, also known as Luke, is Rhaenyra's second-born son. Luke is feeling really insecure about inheriting Driftmark because he gets seasick and he doesn't do well on ships. And so Rhaenyra comforts him. And then he says to her, you know, Grandsire, let you choose to be heir. And I don't recall that at all. Does anybody else remember Rainier like choosing to be the heir? Cause what I recall was was Viserys telling her she was going to be the heir, not that she necessarily chose it. So maybe I have to rewatch the earlier episodes, but I don't remember that at all. Nevertheless, Jace is 14. Rhaenyra says she was his age when she was named the heir and she was scared too, but it was her duty and she learned that she had to earn her inheritance. And Jay says, oh, mom, I'm not perfect like you are. And it's kind of like, I I kind of wish there would have been like a breaking the fourth wall moment with Rhaenyra looking at the camera, but it was definitely like, boy, if you only knew how imperfect your mom really is. So anyway, um, Sir Laurent Marbrand a Kingsguard, he enters to announce that Rhaenys is there and needs to speak to her and Prince Daemon immediately. And Sir Laurent, who this is the first time I think we're seeing him, he was part of King king's Kingsguard and he is now loyal to Rhaenyra. Rhaenys enters the room in her battle armor. She drops the bomb. She's like, look, Rhaenyra, your daddy is dead. And they crowned Aegon as king in front of thousands of people. The greens are coming for you. You in danger, girl. And Daemon is like, they killed him. And he then he says to Rhaenys, you could have burned them all up before you left on Maelyse, her dragon, to get here. And Rhaenys is like, look, first of all, this war is not mine to start. And I'm only here as a courtesy because, number one, I'm loyal to my husband and my house and my grandbabies. Number two, your granddaddy was my cousin, okay? So that's the only reason why I'm here. Because remember, don't forget, Rainice believes that they had something to do with Leonor's death. So she really doesn't even like Rainier like that anyway. And so all of this news is enough to throw Rhaenyra into early labor. So not only is Rainiera processing the fact that her dad is dead and her crown has been usurped, she's also literally in the middle of childbirth. So she's pacing around and she's cussing people out while she's in labor. She's mad that she has to deal with this delivery while her husband Damon is out there running amok and planning to start a full fledged war, and so while she's uh walking out this labor, Damon is strategizing to first protect Dragonstone. And so we cut to the beach where Jace and Luke are practicing sword fighting, and Rhaenice calls them inside so their mom can break the news that granddaddy is dead. And that she's been usurped by Aegon. And so Jace tells his mom, Look, I'll handle Damon. And Rainier is like, Look, I'm glad you have my back, but remember that I am still in charge, even if I am in the middle of birthing this baby. So then we go back to Damon, who's with Lord Bartimus Celtigar, who lets him know that the sea snake has left Evenfall and is sailing, but they don't know where he's sailing to. When Lord Bartimus spoke up. I'm like, who is this man? I'm like, I have never heard of him. So let me, I did a little research. Let me explain who this guy is. So Lord Bartimos Celtigar, he is the Lord of Claw Isle, and he is the head of House Celtigar. Bartimos is described as an unrelenting, incorruptible, ingenious, and very wealthy man, okay? The Celtigars are a Valyrian family, so they also come from Old And Claw Isle is not very far from Dragonstone, so it, it's like northeast of Dragonstone. So it it's really makes sense that he'd be there to support Rhaenyra because he wasn't that far away and his family is loyal to the Targaryens. So that is Lord Bartimus Celtigar, and I imagine we'll be seeing more of him in season two. Daemon wants to send ravens to their nearest allies, Lords Darklyn, Massey, and Bar Aemon. So you know I had to go look up who these people are. So here are who these houses are. So House Darkland runs Duskendale, a large port town northeast of King's Landing along Blackwater Bay. They are located in an area of Westeros called the Crownlands. House Massey is also located in the Crownlands. They are led by Gorman Massey during this time period in Westeros. Bar Amon is based on Sharp Point, which is also in the Crownlands. It's all, all of these places are along the coast of Blackwater Bay. Sharp Point is um, north of Stone Dance, which is where House Massey is based. So this whole time, um, while Damon is strategizing, he can hear Rhaenyra in labor, but he's been completely ignoring it, completely unmoved and unconcerned. So you can hear rainier calling for him in the background and one of the Kings guard asks damon if he wants to speak to the maester like uh do you want to sure you don't want to talk to the maester and damon gives him like the look of death like mind your business and so damon continues planning next steps talking about he's gonna fly to the riverlands to get lord Tully's support and i'm thinking damon do you really think you could go to the riverlands after you killed your first wife you know, like, you don't... I don't think he, you're the diplomat that they would necessarily want to receive in that area. And Jace enters the room like, no, the heck, you won't go to the Riverlands. I speak for my mom, and you're not doing nothing until she's done giving birth to this baby. And so Damon tries to act like he's still in charge. And Jace is like, no, I don't think you heard me. So then Damon orders them to send those ravens anyway. Anna summons Sir Stefan because... He needs to see the King's Guard on drown, on the Dragon Mount. Then Damon tells Jace to come with him, and he'll show him the true meaning of loyalty. I'm like, here we go. Like, this move is definitely giving, like, drunk stepfather vibes. Like, boy, let me show you how it's done, okay? Because you just know... <laughs> It's it's gonna be messy and it's not gonna end well. But anyway, so I'm just saying, crazy Damon is back, and so they're outside. They're on Dragonmount, and he makes Jace watch as he makes the two Kingsguards pledge their loyalty to Rhaenyra, while Caraxes is there to burn them up if need be. He is really Damon is really on nine. He's all about the fire and blood at this point. So, Rhaenyra gives birth to the premature, stillborn baby alone, and she takes care of it alone, and she wraps it up and prepares it for the funeral pyre, and they have the funeral that same day. Then uh, Sir Eric with an E, which we followed him last week as he defected from Aegon's Kingsguard. So Sir Eric with an E arrives at the funeral with Viserys' crown. I guess he swiped it from Viserys' body after Alicent left it. Um, and he pledged fealty to, to Rhaenyra. And then Damon takes the crown from Sir Eric and he kneels before Rhaenyra and crowns her. And everyone there bows to Rhaenyra except Princess Rhaenys. Queen Rhaenyra enters the planning room, this time flanked by her guards, and the guards are all decked out in their red and black. Uh, let's see, Raina hands her some wine, and Rhaenyra invites her to come with her to the table. And then Bela also goes to the table. So in this shot, you have three women at the head of the table, Okay. So the manpower situation for the Blacks is not good. So they need to shore up their support with their allies. Rhaenyra is visibly irritated that Damon had already given out directives without her approval, and she just like glares at him. And so Rhaenyra asks Rhaenys, well, what about your husband? And Rhaenys is like, look, he's sailing for Dragonstone, but she's completely noncommittal about where their allegiance is going to lie. And Lord Bartimos is like instead of worrying about men, what you need to be focused on are your dragons. He, you have more dragons than they do, full stop. And Damon's like, look, we can fly all the dragons over to Harrenhal, surround King's Landing, and take them out in a month. And um but before it goes any further, Sir Eric alerts them to a high tower ship arriving. So just like back in episode two, if you remember in that episode, like Damon Way, way back when Damon had stolen a dragon egg. Um, he stole a dragon egg and took it back to Dragonstone. And then Otto had came to try to get it back. But then Rhaenyra had to fly over there and get it back because Otto has like no bargaining power. So just like back in episode two, Otto meets them on the bridge. And in a massive power play, Rhaenyra arrives wearing her crown on her dragon, Cyrax. Otto disrespects her by calling her princess. She's like, look, I'm queen and you're all traitors. Otto says, swear to King Aegon and we'll affirm Lucerys' claim to Driftmark and we'll let your sons by Daemon be Aegon's cupbearer and the king's squire. And is like, I would rather feed my own kids to that, to, to our dragons than have them serve Aegon of all people. And Otto's like, Aemon is leg- Aegon, excuse me, Aegon Second is legitimate and we already sent terms to the Starks the Tullys and the Baratheons Rhaenyra is like it's too late because they already pledged themselves to me when my dad named me his heir and I was like ain't nobody worried about them dusty old expired pledges from 20 years ago no one cares anymore and he's like Here's the heart of the whole matter. He said, when your dad sired a son, the succession changed. You and your dad were just the last ones to see it. Ooh, that's his whole thing. And so Rhaenyra then snatched the hand pin from his cloak. And she was like, you are not the hand. You're nothing but a traitor. And then he hands a, a a page that, and if you remember back all the way back in episode one, When uh, Rhaenyra was studying under the tree with Allison about like Targaryen history and learning her history, she tore out the page and was like, Here, you remember it then. And so that same page from all those years ago, Otto gave it to Rhaenyra. Like, and so Rhaenyra remembers, you know, it was just very symbolic of the closeness that they once had and that they were truly best friends. And it does touch Rhaenyra deeply to see that page out of that book all those years later. So Otto's like, these are the terms, what you gonna do? Damon draws his sword and is like, we can give Queen Alicent her answer. (laughs) No, let me, I'm not gonna direct quote him, but basically he was like, we can tell your whole daughter right now what we're gonna do, and draws a sword like, we're not accepting it. And Cyrax is there, Cyrax starts to get hype, ready to burn somebody up. But Rhaenyra tells Otto that he'll have her answer in the morning, and Otto visibly looks surprised like oh I wasn't expecting that so then Rhaenyra wants to avoid burning everything and everyone up she doesn't want to be queen of ashes and bone and so she wants to honor her dad and what he told her to do which was to keep the realm together strive for peace and Damon is like, that's your dad talking. And is like, oh no, sweetheart. My father is dead and I'm his successor. This is all me, baby, all day. And so Damon is like, look, the enemy has already declared war. What are you going to do about it? They done stole your crown. They usurped. They've disrespected you with these terms. Like, what are you going to do? And Rhaenyra clears the room because she's basically had enough with him. And so it's just them two. And she was like, you know that my oath reaches beyond our personal ambitions and then she brings up a song of ice and fire which is when things start to go left so she brings up about Aegon's dream and Damon literally grabs her by the neck and said girl house Targaryen was not built on dreams it was built on dragons get your head in the game and then he releases her and Rhaenyra realizes that Viserys never told Damon about the prophecy. So Damon just doesn't know what to do with that information. But um, he's be really frustrated because he sees the weakness of Viserys' reign trickling down to uh, Rhaenyra and he's like having none of it. Lord Corliss wakes up and Rhaenys is like, You abandoned me when I needed you the most. And he's like, look, that's how I deal with things. I go hit the sea. And she was like, listen, she tells him that Vaymond is dead because he said your grandsons are illegitimate and that Daemon cut his head off. And Corlys admits that his ambition for the Iron Throne has gotten him nowhere and he's done chasing it. And they're not going to declare it for Rhaenyra or Aegon. And Rhaenys is like, your grandsons that you was claiming Jace, Luke, and Joffrey they will not be safe as long as Aegon is king and so we learn that Corlys also blames Rhaenyra for Laenor's death and he believes that everything she touches is a disaster but Rhaenys has her back and lets him know that Rhaenyra is showing restraint while all her advisors are urging her to go to war so basically we need to back her. Lord Corlys rises up and he crashes Rhaenyra's planning meeting. He buster chops a little bit and then he declares for Rhaenyra. And so we learn that the Sea Snake has control of the Narrow Sea and the Stepstones, and they can basically create a blockade around King's Landing, so they can't get any supplies in or out. And so then she decides to send Jace to the Riverlands in Winterfell to get their support, and then she sends Luke to Storm's End to shore up their support. And this moment of triumph in that strategy room, it's it's feeling a little like a Marvel movie, but I'll allow it. Meanwhile, Damon is in Dragonmont, another part of Dragonstone, attempting to claim one of the wild dragons, Vermithor. And he's like in Vermithor's lair. He has um, a, a torch, and he's singing in high Valerian. And Vermithor is the second oldest dragon alive. And he used to belong to King the I, but Vermither no longer has a rider. No one claimed him after King Jaharis died. And so Vermither is nearly 100 years old, and he's almost as large as Vagar, but just a little bit smaller than Vagar because um, Vagar, if you remember, is Amon's dragon. That's the biggest dragon alive. Vermither is the second biggest dragon alive. And so we don't know if Damon was successful or not in claiming Vermither. I guess we'll find out next season. <laughs> Rhaenyra gives Lucere's and Jiserys their instructions. And she tells little Luke, I don't want to call him little, but he's the younger one, Luke, that, listen, you should... Get a warm welcome and storms in you know uh lord baratheon he's a proud man he's he's gonna want to entertain you you'll it'll be nice and it's a short flight you should be all right so we ought to know in the world of game of thrones that that spells disaster anytime you think something is going to go well in westeros it will go south so as we see Luke flying in, we see Big ol' Amon's dragon, re- there. And so we already know that Amon is there. So when Luke gets to the throne room, Boros Baratheon has already sided with the Greens. Amon has agreed to marry one of his daughters. And Luke has nothing to offer because he's already betrothed to one of either Reina or Bela. I can't keep them straight. So Amon, being the turd that he is, tries to engage Luke into a fight, but Boros shuts it down, and Luke resists him. Like, he's like, look, my mom told me not to fight. I'm just a messenger. I'm not going to fight you today. And so um, he leaves on his dragon, and it's storming really badly outside. And then we see Luke look to his, I guess his left or right, and he doesn't see um, he doesn't see Vagar like he did when he arrived. So it's kind of like, uh oh, where's Vagar, right? Because that's a big old dragon. It can't be too many places. So, nevertheless, Luke gets on Airax and begins to fly away. And then, as soon as he takes flight, you see just the size comparison of how small Airax is compared to Vagar. Vagar is like three or four times the size of Luke's dragon and and Vagar is flying on top of Luke. And so Amon immediately begins chasing him and Arax feels threatened by Vagar and breathes fire at him. Then Luke flies above the storm and just when you think he's okay, Vagar emerges out of a cloud and literally eats Luke and his dragon so Luke Rhaenyra's second-born son is dead and you see the reaction on Aemon's face like he knows he messed up big time he he just he did he wasn't supposed to kill his own nephew but now he's a kin slayer which is really frowned upon in Westeros to kill a member of your own family so he knows he messed up big time and then we see back on Dragonstone, Damon gives Rhaenyra the news that Luke is dead and Rhaenyra stares into the fire and then she stares into the camera. So we just know that all bets are off at this point. So here are my observations for the season one finale. I felt it was poignant that this episode essentially starts off with, Rhaenyra giving birth again, um, and I felt that Rhaenyra's miscarriage, at the beginning of the episode, symbolized the miscarriage of justice for Rhaenyra. You know, her birthright to become queen. You know, to be to inherit that Iron Throne from her father, it was stolen from her, and that promise is essentially, you know, is dead in a way. You know, so I felt like. And this is just my interpretation, but I just felt like that miscarriage was also symbolic of of the miscarriage of justice in the succession um, after her father died. Uh, Point two, I really did not like Damon putting his hands on Rhaenyra, choking her neck when she told him about the Song of Ice and Fire. I get that he's frustrated, but he should not have choked her. I don't like it. Point three, once again, the MVP for me of this episode is Princess Rhaenys, once again. Um, she convinces her husband to get on Rhaenyra's side. And basically, we know that uh, the Sea Snake is the richest man in Westeros and that he controls all the waterways, all the shipping fleets. Um, so he has tremendous money and power. And Rhaenyra is going to need that type of arsenal if she's going up against the Greens. And then my last point is that if this show is about anything, if this whole season is about anything, it's about the crushing nature of patriarchy. And even in this episode, even with Rhaenyra being the rightful queen, not only does she have to fight for the Iron Throne, she also has to fight her own daggone husband to listen to her and like respect her decisions. So what's next for House of the Dragon, right? So here's what I know. Season two isn't coming back until 2024. So that's kind of a long time. You've got two years between the end of season one right now, and then we won't get season two until 2024. So if you are going to be struggling, fiending in the meantime, here's what you can do. So here are your options. Number one... HBO has made a 10-part docuseries on the making of House of the Dragon that you can watch. That's number one. Now, if you don't, also, if you don't want to wait to find out what happens in season two, you can go ahead and read George R.R. Martin's book, Fire and Blood, um, which is basically a history of the Targaryen family, and it's the source material for House of the Dragon. Now, when season two starts, it will begin with what's called the Dance of the Dragons, which is what the historians of Westeros called the Targaryen Civil War that we watched, that we watched the beginnings of this entire season. So even if you do read the book, you probably will still get a few surprises when it's time to tune into season two, because I've been following other people who have read the book, um, as they're watching House of the Dragon. And they have gotten some pleasant surprises while watching the show. Even knowing what's going to happen in the book. So. And so that was our last House of the Dragon recap. Can you believe it? I have enjoyed the ride so far. And I really hope you did too. Now the next show that I recap might be The Crown. Which begins November 9th. I haven't decided yet. We'll see. Until next time.